Welcome back to Chat with the Designers, a weekly technical discussion forum for amateur radio homebrewers and experimenters, with your hosts, George N2APB and Joe N2CX. Right. This is uh, George N2APB and Joe N2CX, your uh, session hosts for this evening's discussion of simple and accurate power measurement. Now, in the past, we had a session concerning QRP measurement devices for the bench and so on, and it was a really useful and hopefully beneficial session for everybody. What we're going to do this time, since it was so popular back then, is one of our first sessions, and unfortunately we didn't record it. This time we're going to come back to the topic, but we're going to zero in on some very specific examples of how to use the techniques, the measurement techniques, some specific homebrewing approaches you can make for measuring power accurately, and there are some techniques. If you don't pay attention to some of the details, you won't have accurate power measurement, and we all live and breathe by the power that we output. As hams, it's a natural thing to, you know, want to know what we're outputting. And some of the techniques here that we're going to be describing are, are right along that line. Okay, I want to set the stage a little bit for kind of what brought this whole session around, uh, sort of the genesis of this. We had an occasion to be measuring some some power output levels of the SDR cube. This is, uh, um, this is my project along with co-designer Yuha Ninikowski, OH2NLT, and we are trying to track down some uh, source of power output differences between one version and another with respect to PSK uh, operation, digital mode with the with the cube, and we, we couldn't track it down, so we are each measuring things. I did not have a good power measurement meter. As strange as it sort of seemed to me, I've been kind of stocking up my lab here with better and better equipment as I go along, but I've been living with the NorCal power meter. You've heard me mention it before. Now, it's a great, great little device for the price and the, the ease of putting together that kit, but its power readings, the, the measurement readings, only come out to tenth of a watt resolution. Now, that's pretty okay for general, general usage, especially at higher power levels, but when we get down to the lower power levels, like a watt or less, it becomes very um, insufficient and inadequate relative to trying to find out whether your power level is 0.1 watt or 0.176, and those numbers are very specifically the condition that I had, and that was throwing me off. So, I bit the bullet and uh, chatted for a while with uh, Joe and 2CX, an expert in just about all things RF, and together we were able to whip up some equipment that we wanted to share with you all tonight. Now, the basis of the equipment, I guess, is power measurement. Of course, you need a power meter. And as it turns out, we both have some low, uh, a good low-power power meter. Uh, we've talked about it before. It's the KA7EXM power meter. It was published in QEX a while back, and it, actually it's a son of a he is the son of Wes Hayward, famous uh, W7ZOI, and his project, project, uh, and I have it pictured on our webpage there, uh, is the son of Wes's project, which started off in 2001. It's kind of a seminal work. Now, what I mean by that is me is that it's some fundamentally good foundation technology descriptions and simple circuits and operation from which an awful lot of other stuff can be derived and built upon. And that seminal work was uh, an article in QST from 2001 labeled A Simple RF Power Measurement. And uh, 
We actually have a link to the PDF of that uh, article, and it's at the bottom references section of our webpage. And again, if you're, uh, um, I guess somebody's already given that link, but if not, there it is again. And it looks like Terry, you did have it right. So thanks so much for doing that as well. So we've got the link there, and at the bottom of the page is uh, the PDF for this article. And I put the banner. I copied the banner and put it onto our web page there to really illustrate the point. He uses a, a log op amp in uh, his or, or log amp in his circuit in order to um, to measure uh, a pretty wide dynamic range. But like his sons, it only has a um, it only goes up to about point, uh, or I'm sorry, to plus seven dBm. Now that turns out to be like, oh gosh, now I forgot, uh, 10 milliwatts. Uh, I forgot now. So it's only, let's just say it's 10 milliwatts. And it's pretty difficult to measure even the output of a soft rock if you've got a power meter that only goes up to uh, 10 milliwatts. So you might think that the idea is to, uh, you need to attenuate the signal in a calibrated manner and then kind of, um, uh, mentally change the readings that you're reading because um, you've got an attenuator on. In other words, if you put one watt in and you attenuate uh, that down and to get a reading that falls within the capabilities of the measurement the equipment that you're using, um, then you'll be able to, you know, uh, determine the actual power level. And that's the basis of the discussions tonight. And that's the basis of our our little equipment that we, we sort of whipped up uh, in order to perform that SDR cube measurement that I was talking about. So kind of with that setting, um, I'm going to turn it over to, uh, to, to Joe and to CX and uh, maybe go through some of the basics of the power measurements. And we put some other diagrams onto the web page too that we might kind of go down by figures five, six, seven, eight, and nine to show different applications of how you can use a power meter, an appropriately scaled power meter, in uh, pretty much everyday use here on our bench. And what we would, um, um, we'll get then into how we can extend the range of that um, in a manner that, um, that I outlined. Okay, Joe, do you want to kind of take it away for a little bit? Sure, let me digress a little bit um, in expanding on, on measuring our power. It's always always been um, a fun thing for me, and it's uh, it's often a challenge when uh, when you're trying to do things with uh, homebrew equipment. Um, if you're measuring power levels of several watts or more, you can get away doing measurements with uh, with a diode detector and uh, um, on a simple DC meter. You make a, a peak detector and then um, read the DC from that. And you can do uh, tricks such as putting uh, a resistor in, um, a resistive divider in, using your, your meter as a resistive divider to get RMS from the peak voltage. The point is, uh, it only works for uh, higher voltages or higher powers where you've got several volts of RF because of the uh, the drop of the, the uh, diode detector. Um, there are other techniques using uh, biased diodes to, uh, to get low power. And for um, uh, even the ordinary diode, uh, if you use it uh, below its normal uh, knee, down in the, uh, the hundreds of millivolts or the millivolt region, you get what's called a square law reading, where the uh, as the power goes up, um, the uh, DC out varies as the, uh, 
the uh, square root of the power, which uh, which is good and bad because it's very nonlinear. It's tough to calibrate. Um, there's been a number of other techniques, uh, such as using especially biased diodes and bridges that can work. Um, but for the, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, a tad later. But for the home brewer, um, it's generally pretty difficult, uh, first of all, to get a, um, a repeatable RF measurement for low power levels um, below uh, a couple watts, and secondly, to calibrate it. But one of the things that um, really helps with that was uh, uh, something that uh, Wes Hayward mentioned in his, uh, in his article. Uh, someone trying to break me? No, guess not. Uh, one of the things that uh, Wes mentioned in his article was use, uh, as George mentioned, of a, um, a log amplifier, which uh, gives you a DC voltage out proportional to the logarithm of the uh, um, of the RF power input. Uh, this gives you a very wide dynamic range, and without getting into extreme details, um, what it means is that every time the uh, uh, for a given RF level, if you increase the RF level by one dB, one decibel, the uh, DC output increases by about 25 millivolts, and it's very very linear. So uh, if you have if you have one, you you can uh, calibrate a uh, an RF power at uh, one level using an oscilloscope and a uh, uh, crystal oscillator, for example. And then you can get one point on a scale of, of calibrating your RF power meter. Then using the fact that the uh, um, DC output is logarithmic, if you attenuate the power by um, some increment of uh, dBs, you can then um, uh, extrapolate and find out what, uh, what the uh, an, another power level is. For example, if you attenuate by 40 dB, uh, if, you, if you measure at say zero dB, get a DC reading and then uh, decrease the, the RF by 40 dB, it'll be 40 times 25 millivolts or about a volt less. And if you have a good known attenuation, you have two points on the calibration scale and then you can extrapolate from there to uh, fill in the other points. Um, the, the beauty of this is that at least at low frequencies, if you're operating at a couple megahertz, you can make a 40 dB attenuator with common resistors. You can check the uh, attenuation of the attenuator with DC, with a decent uh, digital multimeter, so that you don't need any fancy test equipment to uh, to uh, calibrate a, uh, an RF watt meter, and you can extrapolate uh, from those two uh, readings. Very, very handy. Uh, then given this, um, what you have is, uh, particularly with these log amps from uh, analog devices, you have a uh, uh, an RF power meter that can be calibrated from 0 dB down as low as about 70 dB, where the internal noise starts, uh, starts, starts giving you problems. And then, uh, okay, I see the, the problem whoever I hear is uh, down lower on the screen here. 
Sounds like someone is inadvertently keying their uh, push to talk or, or has Vox going, which is a little annoying. At any rate, um, that's fine. You, you have something that reads from zero dB down, but uh, then what do you do to, um, uh, to read a, a transmitter, for example? Well, the answer is in uh, Hayward's article. And if you look at uh, figure seven on our page, um, it shows a resistive thing called a tap which allows you to look at the output of a transmitter. And in this case, he has it going to an antenna, but uh, the tap is a, an attenuator, an inline attenuator that takes a sample of the RF signal and decreases it to a level that your, your power meter can, uh, can read. Farther down in, um, well, he doesn't, he doesn't have a somewhere, some of this, Figure three, which is much further down in the page, you can see the makeup of his uh, power attenuator tap. There are three connectors. There's an RF input connector, an RF output connector, and uh, a, uh, a connector to go to the power meter. And there's a uh, resistive attenuator that uh, knocks the signal down. So if you're looking at a, a 10 watt uh, signal, this will um, this this tap this resistive attenuator will not affect the uh, the power going to whatever you're looking at uh, whatever you're loading a dummy loader an antenna but you can get a sample that's 40 dB down which in the case of 10 watts would be minus 30 dBm um, which is uh, significantly lower and it's within the range of the uh, um, this uh, logarithmic uh, power meter, which is used in the KA70XM meter. Uh, and I think uh, when we turn it back, George is going to go into a tad more detail on how we actually uh, use these ideas and came up with a uh, setup to do this. Um, the Just another note on the Hayward uh, power tap, this 40 dB tap, he shows uh, uh, a symbol for uh, he has an L1, which is a piece of brass, which uh, if you look at the picture below it, there's a photograph of a, a tap we made. There's a kind of trapezoidal looking piece of uh, brass in there. It's mounted in a metal box. The trapezoidal piece of brass looks like a length of strip line. So that between the two uh, throat connectors, we maintain a 50 ohm transmission line. And then soldered from um, soldered onto one end of that is a string of several resistors going to a uh, another connector. This other connector is the uh, signal that's attenuated uh, 40 dB. And just parenthetically, uh, Hayward also shows a uh, capacitor, kind of a gimmick capacitor uh, C in his uh, schematic diagram. He intended this tap to operate up to 500 megahertz. We're concentrating on HF. So um, that extra capacitance that would be used to tweak it for very wide bandwidth is not needed for, uh, for HF. So that's the basis of what we're doing. It's a simple way of uh, getting um, a meter that can read very accurately and very precisely, and then a means of uh, if you're measuring higher powers, attenuating the signal so that uh, it's within the range of the uh, measuring instrument. A lot of material. Um, any questions on uh, on what I've covered so far?
No, I must have uh, must have blitzed everyone with the discussion. Uh, George, you want to take it over uh, and expand from there? Sure, Joe. Thanks. Nice job on the, setting the groundwork. Um, as an aside, listeners here would probably remember, at least longer time listeners, would remember the SIC, the sweeper input card that we used uh, in our low pass filter measurement uh, project, uh, our three-part series um, last month, I think, early last month. And um, as it turns out, that SIC card, the SIC, has a, um, it's an 8310 um, log amp, but nonetheless, it still is a log amp that's that performs in a manner, as Joe described, uh, this op amp operating. And in fact, and here's just a, a little tip, I'm, we're still waiting for some of the parts and actually the printed circuit board to come back for the SIC. And uh, listeners here on chat with the designer sessions will have an opportunity to get that SIC kit um, at, at, at cost. And it could form the basis of your own simple RF power measurement uh, um, equipment too from a homebrew standard. So if you're looking at the schematic that uh, is in the Wes Hayward article, um, I didn't post the schematic, but if you if you pulled it up, you would see that it is just the it's just that uh, 8310. Um, it's it's just a log amp and the power and the regulator. And he has a couple of op amps that are um, actually one op amp that stage that's used to drive the meter. Well, you could do that, or you could take a microcontroller such as we did during the low pass filter experiment, and uh, the Micro 908 uh, software, the the antenna analyzer, the Micro 908 software was modified so as to read input of the um, the SIC through an A to D converter. So an A to D converter on our SIC card enable us to read the output of the log amp. So in essence, we have that, I, I forgot what our readings were, Joe, the, the lowest reading was 80 dB, uh, dBm, and I forgot what the upper range was. Do you recall? It's on the order of uh, uh, plus 10 dBm. Okay, so it's very similar to what we're talking about here. Um, it's this good form the basis of your own simple RF power measurement. But then again, you'll still end up with the same challenge that, that we had. Um, um, in as far as how do you handle measurements that are uh, the signals that are much larger than what uh, uh, your instrument is able to read. So you want to knock it down in some fashion. So that, that tap became very integral to our experimentation. And by the way, this, even though we've had this planned for some time, uh, Joe and I making a tap and doing other things with it, it all came about this weekend this past weekend, as I was investigating some power differences. Actually, that uh, Chris, W, uh, Chris, where are you on here? Uh, W0ANM um, here on our session pointed out some power differences between versions on the SDR cube, and I was doing some investigation on that in order to measure the differences and come to the, uh, the source of the discrepancies or the, the differences. I needed to have this some uh, measurement equipment. So Joe and I embarked on this effort to quickly put together this equipment, and it just turned out really cool. Integral, absolutely integral uh, in this kind of a measurement is to have a 50-ohm load because um, obviously a lot of our measurements, a DBM is a reference to a 50-ohm load, 
and the values that uh, are in the charts that we show on the table. Um, the conversion uh, table at the very bottom of this page uh, are all in DBM and it references it to 50 ohm load. The closer you are to having a 50 ohm load, the better or more accurate your readings are going to be. Um, hand in hand with that, of course, is the need to have your, your dummy load, your 50 ohm load, be able to handle the power that is being um, generated by your amplifier or transceiver or whatever you're doing. One watt normally isn't too much of a big deal, but uh, we've got a uh, we've got a 20 watt um, amplifier in the works for the SDR cube, an accessory for the cube, and it's coming along quite well. So I needed to have a um, if a good 50 ohm load that could handle 20 watts. Now, most of us QRPers don't have that at ready uh, reach on the bench. If you're like me, um, you've got a, uh, a 50 ohm resistor or um, published in QRP Homebrewing Magazine a long time ago by our friend Dave Ottenberg. <laughs> Dave is up on the other channel. I hope he knows that we're down here. But Dave Ottenberg, WA2, oh dear, D, I forgot his call sign. Um, but Dave Ottenberg uh, designed this little nifty, it's called the, the two cent um, dummy load. He put a, a bunch of, uh, he paralleled a bunch of um, um, 100 ohm resistors between two pennies, attached it to a BNC plug, and it became a really nice, handy, within reach, QRP level uh, dummy load. And I've been using that for years and other variations of it for years, but I didn't have one that could handle 20 watts. Now, Joe is a, is kind of a heat sink purist. I kind of call him that in my mind, and I hope he's chuckling right about this time. But the point is, is that in his mind, and quite accurately so, you need to get rid of the heat that's generated when you have a lot of power going through it. So a lot of all, all of this is kind of a lead into the heat sink and the power and the dummy load that I created that's shown on the web page that, uh, that we have. It's a, a large black heat sink that I got as a, uh, from some ham fest. It looks about, it looks pretty ratty, but it's in good mechanical shape. And it's a BNC mounted in the center of it. And on the bottom view of it, you see in the photo right next to it, there's a TO220 um, resistor. It's a 51 ohm resistor. Actually, it measures some point less than 50 ohm nonetheless, it's a 50 ohm TO220 resistor that has a package dissipation of 35 watts when it's properly heat synced. And that's the, neat, the nature of uh, the large heat sink there. So I wanted to accommodate myself with a, a good 20 watt load that I could, I could uh, keep turned on all the time if necessary. So that's, uh, so that's the construction of the heat sink and the power and the dummy load. And I coupled that with the... Um, with the power tap that uh, that we created, and you see a picture of that right below the, the dummy loads uh, on the web page. And uh, let me just switch over to that here locally. So now you've got the, um, we, we've got a, a little um, Pomoda box. I forgot what kind of a Hammond hogged out aluminum uh, uh, box that fit nicely. And the BNC connectors on that and it's exactly the instantiation of the, the circuit right next to it, just as Joe described. So we've got the power tap, and if you slide down just a little bit more, you see the, the rather convenient uh, configuration that I have uh, for my power tap on my heatsink. 
And um, it's, it's good to have good BNC connections. And perhaps for me, the best connection is uh, a 90 degree plus a barrel uh, or a double female that I'm able to uh, connect in, in very directly, of course, the, the heat sink, uh, the dummy load and, and the power tap. So that leaves the connector on the left, which is uh, the input from the transceiver and the BNC on the bottom, which goes to is the actual tap and that goes to the meter. And the following picture there shows the assembly there together side by side. My dummy load and tap and the uh, the Kanga US, uh, the KA7EXM power meter. Now I want to mention here, I, let me go back to that window. I don't see case uh, K5BCQ. You'll see in some of the emails that we had as lead into tonight's session, case pointed out that um, uh, he and Milt, W8NUE, and John, K5JHF, and another fellow designed something called um, an M water, an M water, milliwatter um, power meter. Now I happen to have that kit. I haven't put it together yet, but these guys, the AQRP guys, put together a kit that ostensibly goes from, I think it's like one milliwatt up to uh, 10 watts or 50 watts. I, I, I forgot. Uh, they use a directional coupler. So the trick um, that they, um, well, they did several good tricks, and I was hoping Case would be here and maybe explain um, operation of the kit and availability and all of that. But if you don't have um, a meter such as the KA7EXM or anything better than that, definitely go to the uh, reference that I gave at the bottom of the page for AQRP, uh, their M-Water uh, kit. It's, uh, it looks to be an excellent kit. They've had some excellent results from it. And again, I'm, I can't wait to build mine. I just haven't had the time. Um, but that might, it might obviate uh, a lot of the tap efforts that we did here. Uh, but maybe not. I'm not really sure. But nonetheless, this illustrates the use of the tap and the dummy load and a, and a narrower range of the power meter. It illustrates some basic principles that we really wanted to share with the uh, um, the chat with the designer guys and, uh, and to go through. So using the KA7EXM power meter, and if you kind of go down one more picture, I have a, uh, a picture of, um, of it in operation. And by the way, um, if you haven't reloaded or refreshed your browser since you saw the email last night and first looked at the webpage, you need to do that because usually every session Leading up to every session, I'm, I'm adding extra material all the time. And um, this picture that I'm talking about now that shows the SDR cube in breadboard form um, connected to the, uh, the tap and the upper coax cable. And the lower coax cable goes over to the, ca uh, the Kanga um, uh, power meter. And you can't quite read it because the resolution... I reduce it the size and the resolution, but it says 9.9 .9, minus 9.9 .9 dBm, and um, uh, that actually is showing um, in a in a method that Joe is gonna. I'm gonna toss it back to Joe in a moment, and he's gonna go through a bit of his conversion um, uh, table and exerciser. Uh, but the 9.9, .9, um, the minus 9.9 .9 dBm reading on the on my meter, one coupled with the minus 40, well, with a 40 dB tap or attenuator, uh, translates to me outputting from my cube 
and that's a an RXTX uh, 6.3 soft rock in there. Uh, it's outputting 1.023 watts, which is about expected, and that's what I had uh, previously set up to be. So this is a method that I was able to use a very low power, uh, I'm sorry, a very um, limited range, very it's very low power um, power meter, the, the KA70XM power meter, coupled with a power tap as an attenuator with a good dummy load um, coupled to the transmitter. Um, that's my finger holding down the tune push button that as soon as the push button is released on the cube, it stops transmitting. So in order to do the reading, I need to have my finger in the picture. Not that my finger wanted to have any exposure or anything, but uh, that's that's the way I had to do it. And the last point that I think I want to make is, uh, is I forgot. But anyways, the cube on the left, just an FYI, is uh, it's a laid out in horizontal fashion. It's not in the typical black box, which you might know that the cube resides in. But I have them connected uh, side to side and screwed down to a neoprene or some kind of poly cutting board, which is just really, really dandy for uh, making a portable um, experimenter st uh, station. And it's, it's uh, nice to have the electronics laid out there and you can probe and, and make changes and tap onto some signals and, and do whatever you need to do. But that's what that cube is on the left. Okay, Joe, uh, well, let me take a break here before and see if there are any questions relative to the power tap construction, the 50 ohm dummy load. Oh, and I remembered about my comment about the 50 ohm dummy load. Let's see if somebody's smart enough to, to pick out that issue. And uh, any other questions about the stuff that I've reviewed? Go ahead. Alrighty, nothing heard. I'll save um, the trick question for later. Joe, don't touch on that until we get to the end, okay? And see if anybody picks up my uh, my 51 ohm dummy load that I have got uh, in the, on that heat sink. Okay, Joe, go ahead and take her from here. Thank you, George. Yeah, yeah good, uh, good layout. This is uh, very demonstrative of uh, what happens when you try to make some precision measurements. Uh, you end up with a lot of practical details that you have to work out to uh, get things rolling. Um, you know, it's not difficult, it's not rocket science, but uh, there can be a lot of little details you have to take into uh, consideration. One of the points we didn't stress, and uh, I want to, um, is particularly uh, obvious or apparent to those who've been through that. If you look at George's picture of his uh, open face cube there, along with the tap, uh, the uh, dummy load, and the, uh, the watt meter. Um, almost everything in there, other than the dummy load itself, is very well shielded. Um, this is necessary in doing the measurements, because uh, if you have any stray pickup at all, at any of the points in the me measurement chain, it's going to foul up your measurements unpredictably. Uh, as you move around, as you jiggle cables, as you touch things, you'll see um, you'll see your readings vary uh, almost uh, uh, <laughs> almost randomly. Uh, there is a method to the madness. However, uh, the K70XM power meter is in a good shielded box, so there's not going to be any pickup there. 
the um, uh, the heat sink has the uh, heat sink resistor on the bottom, and I believe George might have a metal shield over that. So that's not in a point where it's going to radiate into any of the cables. And the 40 dB tap, which is very important, is in a, a good shielded uh, uh, die cast box so that there is excellent shielding and there's no stray RF floating around that's, that's going to foul up the measurements. Um, you know, it, it seems obvious, but uh, until you've been slapped in the face by it, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's very important. One, one of the um, handicaps, as I was, as George and I were describing measuring this with a power tap and uh, all that, um, one of the difficulties is getting your head wrapped around exactly what you've got. Now, there's a power meter and that the, uh, the power meter from uh, Kanga, the KA70XM meter, reads in dBm, uh, decibels below a uh, milliwatt. Uh, we often think in terms of power. Uh, and, you know, there's a formula you can convert uh, to with power. And in fact, George, at the very end of the uh, uh, the reference information that's on our uh, webpage, has a conversion chart for dBm to uh, volts RMS, volts peak-to-peak, -peak and watts. But when you're on the bench measuring, um, sometimes it's not that easy to... Uh, to do the, the calculation is very easy to make a mistake. Uh, and what also adds to the difficulty is the fact that we have a 40 dB um, tap. The signals that go to the meter are attenuated by 40 meter by 40 dB. So you've got to keep the uh, dB, uh, dBm to power conversion in your head. And you have to realize there's a 40 dB uh, attenuator in there too. So it's very, very easy, uh, done it any number of times, to make a dumb mistake and um, to think you have a, a certain power level when you really don't. So what I did was to come up with a, a spreadsheet uh, called the RF Power Measurement Helper. Uh, and you'll notice that it's Reve because I, I did the original one and sent it to George, and George noted I made some mistakes in it. But this final one is correct. It has four columns. The first column is the meter reading. And this spreadsheet is particular to this test setup with this equipment. Meter reading and dBm. And then from that, the spreadsheet calculates power in dBm. So there's a column for that. Power in dB watts. And then finally, the last column is power in watts, which is much more familiar to most of us. And the, the spreadsheet goes from uh, a meter reading of uh, plus 6 dBm, which corresponds in this test setup, to a power of 39.81, roughly 40 watts, down to as low as minus 30 dBm on the meter, which corresponds to a power level of uh, 10 milliwatts. And uh, George added another goodie at the, at the bottom. Um, if you want to go in between those... Uh, those levels, this, the, the chart is in 1dB steps. But if you want to go in between, and he has an example here of uh, minus 9.9dB reading, uh, if you plug in the minus 9.9, the spreadsheet will automatically calculate the, the power of 1.023 watts. So if you're using this on the bench 
and, and you want to use it in conjunction with the instrument, you can very easily with, uh, with your computer or a, uh, actually a, uh, an iPad, uh, a uh, Samsung touch that I, a tab that I use or an iPad, uh, a uh, iPod touch, get the terminology straight. They'll all run this spreadsheet and um, you can very easily get very accurate and very precise uh, numbers for what you're doing without having to do uh, scads of mental arithmetic. Um, also on the web page, there is a, uh, a link uh, that you can click on and uh, right click on it and to save that spreadsheet. So that's kind of our gift to you. Uh, if you want to do this, you can, uh, you can use that spreadsheet with this test setup and uh, that's some, and get some very good, uh, good readings. I like to do things like uh, documenting the things with good diagrams and having spreadsheets with uh, just a little bit of explanation of what's going on so that um, if, if you're handing off a project to someone else, getting somebody else to duplicate it, or in fact, if uh, you've built something and then you want to pick it, you pick it up uh, yourself six months later, um, you have some reference material so that you can figure out what works and get up to speed very quickly on uh, <laughs> on getting it to work. Spreadsheets are an excellent uh, tool for doing this. Uh, also fraught with a lot less uh, error than us uh, frail humans. Uh, to err as human, and uh, believe me, I've uh, made my share of mistakes in doing this. Okay, any questions on uh, this little uh, this little facet of the power measurement or uh, anything else we've discussed tonight? Okay, I suppose we must have dazzled and amazed everyone with our brilliance here. Either that or we've totally baffled, baffled you with our bullshit. Uh, George, you want to pick it up and um, carry on? Dazzled you with your what? <laughs> it's okay. I guess we're not on the air. Uh, you get used to hearing certain things. And, uh, that's cool, Joe. Um, let's see. The last uh, thing I wanted to point out on the chart, or on the uh, on the website, is the chart the uh, that you see just before the references: uh, dBm to volts to watts power conversion chart into 50 ohms. Again, 50 ohms is the magic number for us hams, and that's what most of our uh, measurements are based around. I referenced this chart um, back um, in our earlier days of chat with the designers when we were talking about different QRP kits and, and techniques and such for uh, um, RF power measurement. And um, I, I wanted to put it here since it is so very useful. It came from the QRP quarterly, spring 2003, uh, as published by the uh, QRP Archi uh, group, uh, www.qrparchi.org. Um, I've had this thing on my wall <laughs> since since 2003, and uh, I reference it uh, at least once a week as I'm doing measurements, most often on the weekends, but just kind of seeing what's what. And you can correlate some of the numbers that, that we've talked about um, um, here during this discussion, and Equally important are the equations up there for uh, uh, power in dBm, power in, in watts, and um, and what what happens if you've got uh, um, 
peak-to-peak voltage that you might be measuring with your oscilloscope or RMS voltage that you might be measuring with your handy-dandy Keithley or HP. Let's see, what do I have? I can't see it from here. HP 3478A. I'm really proud of that little meter that I've got. And it gives me five ditches of accuracy, which is uh, a lot better than my handheld uh, uh, VOMs over the years. So that gives me RMS value, and I'm used to, uh, I'm able to, uh, to do things there too. Um, um, I wanted to come back to the, um, to the accuracy of your, of your, um, of your load, your 50 ohm load. Uh, Joe, can you comment on the accuracy that it needs to be, and then what I can do to improve the accuracy of my 51 ohm dummy load? Certainly. Um, what we're trying to do is to bound the error here, to uh, minimize the error. So um, to to keep things in, uh, in terms we can understand, we'd uh, if we're trying to minimize, if we're trying to get an accuracy of uh, on the order of a percent, we need to have the, uh, the resistance on the order of a uh, accurate to then say a percent. So what this means for a 50 ohm um, load. 50 ohm dummy load is that you need to be within plus or minus half an ohm. As it turns out, with this particular resistor and other packaged resistors like it, um, a quarter inch or so of lead length, at least at HF up into six meters, um, has very little effect on uh, on the uh, the actual impedance. So what you can do if uh, if you use a, a 51 ohm resistor, such as George did, you can experimentally put something like a 2.2K uh, or, or 3K or so resistor on there and measure the parallel combination with a good um, digital multimeter till you have a DC reading of 50 ohms and uh, get it to within that plus or minus uh, half an ohm uh, window. And uh, you'll be right on as far as your measurements. Um, simple, but it, it works at least for uh, for high-frequency stuff. Okay, that, that was it. The bottom line, as Joe was indicating, was that uh, the closer we can get to 50 ohms, the closer or the better that you can shield your equipment from uh, stray signals and and um, isolate them from other uh, effects and other circuits uh, the better that your measurements are going to be now undoubtedly somebody's got a different way of uh, um, achieving a, a good 50 ohm load it might be a commercial unit or it might be uh, using some other technique but the bottom line is whatever techniques that you're using there's an there's usually an opportunity for fine-tuning and and um, bringing your measurements more uh, toward the uh, uh, toward what they really would would be. Um, can can you ever make your measurements better? Usually, yeah. Uh, sometimes the, either the time or cost of doing so is prohibitive. Um, and oftentimes, as I started off this session by saying, having a, a NorCal power meter that has a tenth of a watt resolution is okay in certain circumstances. Even for us QRPers, it's good enough to get you into ballpark. You know that you've got some power. You don't need to, uh, and you know that uh, 
uh, you're, you're putting out a signal. But if you want to know closer and closer what your actual value is, paying attention to the details like we're talking about, and trimming the dummy load resistor uh, to be uh, closer yet to 50 ohms is going to give you a more accurate reading. Um, my last point is, and it was kind of a kind of an important one, but again, it's a basic basic one. Um, in order to check, I wanted to do some double checking on the values that I was reading, uh, and not just take at face value that oh, I got 1.26 uh, watts or 1.026 watts. So um, I put a scope across the um, the dummy load in order to determine the peak-to-peak -peak voltage. And um, um, it, long story short is that it did corroborate as well as I could measure, or as easily as I can, close as I could measure with a scope. As you know, when you're measuring with a scope, seeing exactly what gradical line your your um, your waveform reaches on the top and the bottom is sometimes an interpolation by eye. But again, it kind of corroborated what I had. Um, Joe, along the lines of, of um, terminations and and uh, proper ways to use a scope in reading power, supposing you've got a, a, your soft rock open on the bench and you're transmitting uh, uh, into an antenna or a dummy load, ideally, and you've got a scope that typically has a high impedance input with a nice long probe, can you comment on things you can do to perhaps improve the accuracy of that uh, waveform that you're uh, viewing on the scope? Yeah, the main thing you have to concern yourself with is um, the effects of loading from the scope. If you're using a high impedance probe on the scope, um, it's going to have a um, very high resistance, but uh, there is some capacitance from, uh, from the scope probe. Um, as I recall, just off the top of my head, I believe it's on the order of 10 picofarads, which is not a problem at um, um, at uh, 80 or 40 meters, um, 10 picofarads is a pretty uh, pretty high impedance. But if you're looking at a 50 ohm point or higher impedance, and uh, and the capacitance is uh, um, an appreciable uh, reactance or it's a low reactance, it's going to affect the reading. Um, I I I'm really blowing it going through the the numbers here, but uh, I was talking to George, and and one of the things you can do to measure in a 50 ohm system uh, is if uh, if you can uh, put a, a BNCT on your um, oscilloscope, put a good 50 ohm load on there, and then run a short piece of coax over to where you're measuring, um, you can get a reasonable way to do the measurement. And if you measure the capacitance using something like the AADE LC meter, you can um, then uh, you'll know what the uh, the parallel uh, capacitance is, what the loading will be, and you can work yourself up a little chart to uh, to um, calibrate to do a manual calibration of the uh, of the effect of the loading on what you're doing across frequency. And you can do a correction factor there. For example, if you got 50 ohms um, resistive and uh, say 200 picofarad or 200 ohms uh, reactive from uh, the capacitance of the cable, um, it's it's going to really affect the measurements. But you can work the math backwards and calibrate to see what the uh, the actual number would be without the capacitance. Just a little bit of uh, basic algebra. And while I was getting the part number for that uh, 
TR220 resistor, that 51 ohm 35 watt resistor. I just posted the part number from Mauser in case anybody's interested in seeing that. Um, and, and for the uh, for those listening uh, to the podcast, the number is from Mauser. It's part number 588-T uh, is in Tango, C is in Charlie, H is in Hotel, 35, P is in Papa, dash 51E is in Echo. So, um, okay, so that's that's that number. Now, Joe, did you mention the um, the fact of where the terminator, uh, the terminating resistance is uh, on the, on a scope probe? That the that the fact that you've got to have a, a 50 ohm resistor terminating the load. I mentioned it in passing, but uh, yeah, I I said that to use a BNZT with a with a good uh, 50 ohm termination um, to uh, terminate uh, to have 50 ohms in the system and then calibrate out the capacitance. Uh, from knowing what the capacitance is. Okay, good enough. I just wanted to be sure about that. Um, Bruce, you wrote something about AMQRP. I might have mistyped just from habit. Um, uh, thanks for that. Okay, so um, I think that's about it, at least for the information that we wanted to really kind of share with you tonight. Not many questions. I'm, I'm surprised, a little disappointed, but uh, uh, perhaps you guys already have this down pat, but it was really... It was really a good uh, exercise on the bench during the weekend here uh, to come up with some techniques to actually solve a problem that we that we had on the bench and using available equipment with some quickly homebrewed uh, approaches. Um, maybe toss it out to um, uh, to onto the table here. Has anybody uh, does anybody else have a power meter? I think we talked about this before, but maybe now it's more relevant. Um, what kind of power meters do we have in our benches uh, here? Uh, somebody want to uh, offer what you have? Yeah, go ahead, Ken. Yeah, I've got a uh, Dorcal uh, uh, power meter with, uh, unfortunately, uh, blowing <laughs> uh, pick unit, so it doesn't work anymore. But uh, I've, I've always wondered about the uh, uh, accuracy of the uh readings given that uh everything uh, all, all the uh, resistance capacitors etc are like plus or minus five percent plus or minus two uh, percent and uh you know uh we're, we're, you guys are talking about uh three and four significant digits and uh that doesn't work out to one percent well it comes down ken to the you know where are the inac where are the tolerances that you're talking about in the circuit um, oftentimes, if you've got a pull-up resistor that's 10K, uh, a 10K ohm pull-up resistor, it doesn't matter if that's 1% or, or, or 20% resistor, you're pulling a signal up. But if you look at the, uh, the circuit that is in the measurement area, um, the, the sweet spot of the instrument, I don't have the NorCal schematic in front of me, but I, I'm looking at the, um, at the W7ZOI um, power meter that we're talking about here tonight. If you look at one of the resistors, again, there's an R1 that is 51 ohms. If that's not 51 ohms for the reasons that Joe and I just went over, that's going to be uh, throwing your measurements off. So I guess you got to look at where the component is in the circuit in order to determine if its tolerance is going to adversely affect uh, you know what you're trying to measure. 
Yeah, I understand, but uh, the, uh, how good is the 51 ohm resistor? Well, that's a good question. You can measure it. And then it comes down to the point of how do you know your VOM or DVM is accurate to the degree that you need to. For example, I measured my 51 ohm resistor that I used, that TCP resistor on, on my heatsink, and it came out to be 50 point, let me just say, you know, 822, 50.822 ohms. And um, that gave me enough insight to be able to take the advice that Joe had given as far as tweaking that by adding some higher valued resistors to bring the effective resistance uh, uh, down on the, on the combination. But I had to have a DVM or some kind of a multimeter that had adequate resolution. Um, this is sort of a fact of life. If you want to, if you want to ensure that you've got 51 ohms, you've got to be able to read to at least one digit beyond the digit that you're that you're interested in. Yeah, I understand that. I'm I'm looking at the uh, Mouser Electronics uh, uh, page for that 51 ohm resistor that you're uh, that that you've uh, specified, and it says tolerance five percent. So uh, uh, you know, five percent on 51 ohms is uh, uh, 10 percent on 100 ohms. That's uh, that's not very accurate. Well, I guess I was lucky. Um, you can buy a sampling of them and and pick um, pick one that's closest to your value that you need. It becomes just a matter of uh, trying to find the resistor that that works for you. No, yeah, Joe. no, I, I know. Uh, Joe, did you want to comment on that? Yeah, two quickies. Uh, number one. Yes, you do. You do want to have 50 ohms. You can buy. Um, I'm not sure that the particular resistor we had uh, is available in exactly 50 ohms, but there's another manufacturer, a very similar product, that is rated as rated at 50 ohms uh, with a 1% tolerance. And uh, if you want to get very precise, that might be the way to go. Yeah, Bruce, yeah, go ahead. Bruce. Yeah, I was just going to, oh, first let me check. Is this uh, audio okay? I'm using a different microphone on the iPod tonight. Yeah, it sounds real fine. Okay, great. Um, well, first off, glad I could join you guys this evening. It's been several weeks since I've been able to join in because of uh, work responsibilities primarily, so it's, uh, it's good to be able to get on with the, uh, the crew here again this evening. Um, yeah, I had tossed out there Caddick as a, uh, as a brand of uh, manufacturers, and they do have 50-ohm, 1% resistors. Um, something else to keep in mind, and I find these routinely almost at uh, flea markets and ham fests, is that a lot of times you can come across little 20-watt to 100-watt or more dummy loads already built and on heat sinks that uh, came out of uh, cell phone service sites. So these things are rated up to uh, 1 gigahertz and in a lot of cases beyond um, for not a lot of money. Um, certainly more than the six or seven dollars to just buy the resistor and do it yourself, but then you already know that it's uh, it's designed and, uh, and and good up to a, a high frequency range. So keep your eyes open for those. Uh, but for those who want to build their own, the Caddick power resistors, I find work very well. I've used them here in a variety of things, and as Joe mentioned, you can get them to 50 ohms at one percent. Another thing to keep in mind is that if you're doing uh, measurements. Uh, instead of with a, uh, a power meter, but rather with an oscilloscope. A lot of oscilloscopes have a 50 ohm input impedance already. Um, they'll go to a high impedance if you're using like a 10x probe 
typically uh, one mega ohm, but a lot of times when you're using a straight coax in, it's already 50 ohms, and it will say on the uh, on the front of the oscilloscope if that's the case. So you're essentially going into a 50 ohm load there. And uh, just wanted to toss out um, the 40 dB power tap is an extremely powerful tool. Not only that, but other attenuators. Sometimes you can get fixed attenuators in 10, 20, or 30 dB um, at flea markets. I'm a notorious flea market scrounger. Um, and you can find these, and these are very useful. One of the most powerful uses I find is that not only in making power measurements like this, but a lot of us have experimented with soft rocks and other SDR receivers. You can actually use those as like a poor man's spectrum analyzer looking at the output of a transmitter. Now, obviously, you wouldn't pump the full one watt, let's say, out of the SDR cube into the input of a, uh, another receiver, but passing through the 40 dB power tap, and in some cases, I use an additional 30 or 40 dBs of attenuation in line on the, uh, the sample port, is then safe to uh, send into the input of another software-defined radio. And from there, you can look at the output spectrum of uh, a radio in question. So having these tools on hand, like a lot of tools, once you learn the different ways to use them, it opens new doors for you. And you find new ways of being able to do things that you didn't think you could do before or perhaps didn't even occur to you. So I just wanted to kind of toss that out there before we wrap things up, that uh, the ability to manipulate power levels and bring them down to levels that you can easily measure um, create some great possibilities for the uh, the home brewer and his workbench. So, just thought I'd toss that out. Outstanding info, uh, Bruce. Thanks an awful lot. Really appreciate that. Um, other comments? Yeah, I can go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to point out that uh, uh, a one percent tolerance is one in a hundred. If you've got uh, four significant digits on your HP. Uh, uh, um, you know, in, instrument that's a one in ten thousand, and uh, that's very far away from uh, uh, one in a hundred. Okay. Um, and by and by the way, you know we're talking about resolution and whether it's fifty one ohms or fifty point five. For us on the bench, unless you're doing careful measurements like we're talking about here, 51 ohms is going to be entirely adequate for a dummy load. I mean, the other inaccuracies and variations in your system um, are going to totally swamp any kind of uh, error, if you will, that comes about from using a 51 ohm dummy load. For example, when you're tuning up a rig, if you're tuning up uh, a QRP rig and you want to put it into this this uh, TH or TCH uh, resistor that we're talking about it's entirely adequate and it does a does a magnificent job uh, joe and i used it um, in our uh, midnight loop a midnight loop that we presented up at uh, masscon a couple of years ago and uh, the automatic tuning mechanism that we we created used a dummy load created from this device and it was entirely adequate because uh, obviously we didn't have to have five digits of accuracy um, on whatever um, on the attenuated uh, on the, on the on the signal that was being uh, that had dummy load on it. All right, All right. Um, Paul, you have a question. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, you have good good audio here. Uh, thanks. 
Um, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that um, many times when you're making uh, power measurements, you're making comparative measurements. Uh, and uh, the, the effect of the um, actual resistance uh, of the load, uh, especially at HF, can be uh, very minimal. Um, I do a, a little bit of work uh, in microwave experimentation at uh, or in the 10 gigahertz range, and, and things get a little bit hairy there sometimes. But uh, primarily, um, I, would, I would say that most of the measurements that I've made with uh, power-related power measurements have uh, been comparative measurements where I'm measuring a ratio of one power to another. And uh, uh, the question that I have uh, after that comment, uh, George, is uh, maybe you can, George and Joe, maybe you can give us some insight into what measurement you actually, uh, you actually needed to make uh, and how you set up that measurement um, uh, using the equipment you review, reviewed tonight. Well, the setup is pictured in um in uh, the, the last photo, the one with my finger in it. Uh, bottom line, I was just taking the output of the cube under certain conditions and, and measuring the output uh, power level. As it turned out, I needed to be determining the power level with a certain level of drive from the, uh, the new PSK modem into the, uh, into the cube. And uh, actually it was Chris, W0ANM, that had noted that, it, that, that uh, the output from that setup differed in, and, uh, um, between an earlier release, version 103, and the current release, version 106 and 107, uh, 108. So um, it was an absolute measurement, as not a comparison measurement in my case here, but it was just an absolute uh, measurement. Certain conditions were set up identically on an old version of software, and then we measured it on the new version of software, and uh, indeed verified the difference was there, which was the main effort of the investigation. And then, uh, and then we, uh, Yuha and I dug into, uh, into the software in order to determine the source of that, uh, um, uh, the difference. And it turned out to be just, it's totally tangential here, but it turned out to be a different gain setting in, um, in the software for uh, uh, the codec line in, um, and that, that solved our problem. Great, thanks. Yeah, Jerry, go ahead. Hey, George. Hi, everybody. I think this is the first time I'm actually hitting the push to talk bar. Uh, I have the, you had asked the question before, what do we have? I have that Elecraft W1, and uh, but I, I think I'm going to take the advice there of uh, Bruce and get one of those 40 dB uh, pads. That sounds like a really great idea. There were a lot of really good ideas tonight. Thank you. I wondered, uh, my, my question is, uh, do you know if any of these uh, devices that you have on the web there are, are offered as kits or anything like that by anybody at this point? Over. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's currently in stock um, or whatever, but it's advertised, and I think that the AQRP, the Austin QRP group, uh, has the M-Water. I would really recommend getting that. Um, the KA7EXM, is no longer available. Uh, that particular power meter that I have pictured, that we have pictured on the, on the web page, is no longer available 
Um, I think from there might be parts or parts kits or PCB available, but you've got to do some scrounging in order to get that uh, that built up. So if you can find it on eBay or uh, at a ham fest, um, uh, wherever, I think it would be a great deal. But in lieu of not having that, I think the next best thing is going to be uh, the uh, the M water from the AQRP group. So check out the uh, the link that I have at the bottom from Cave. 5 BCQ, um, his kits page. It's kit number nine, so you have to scroll down. And a lot of good information and a lot of good pictures there too to show what you have. I don't know how the capabilities stack up against the uh, the Elecraft uh, W1. Um, it would be interesting to check it out. I doubt that the W1 has as much dynamic range as what we're talking about here though. So that's the uh, those are the only really two pieces of uh, equipment that we're really talking about here tonight, and you can get the M water. Uh, and I'll, I'll publish uh, Case's email as well because I'm not sure it's on his web page, but I'll I'll let you know what his email is. You can contact him to see if the M watt meter, the AQRP M watt meter kit, is still available. Yeah, thank you very much. That's great. I um, I like the um, I, I like being as accurate as possible, you know, playing around with Whisper now and, um, you know, like making sure that, you know, if you tell somebody you're running a half a watt that you're really running a half a watt because I think it makes a difference, you know, and uh, definitely check that out. Thanks. If you ever want to borrow that W1 uh, to, you know, play with it or whatever, just let me know and I can shoot it down to you. Um, okay. Appreciate that a lot, Jerry. Thank you so much. Terry, you had a question. Oh, hi, I. First of all, finding my PTT, uh, pushing buttons, trying to find it. Um, yeah, the M Water. Um, I built one. I've got, I think, just about every kit that Kays has. He's got a lot of good, uh, good little kits. I got it for exactly what the previous uh, person was talking about. I had a bunch of different um, meters, but none of them were very accurate, and none of them had good resolution. And it seemed like I was always playing with the zero dbm to about two watt one watt level and not have anything that's accurate at that level so i bought it and i was very happy i'm very happy with it um i believe he uh, he said in an email a couple days ago that he might have the parts but he hasn't got the kits put together yet he's working on his uh he's working on something else because he just uh uh, I forget what his latest project is, but he was working on something else, and he he's about to have uh, about to put some of those M water kits together. But I think it's like fifty bucks or sixty bucks, and it's it's a pretty good little thing. It does not come in a box, but you know you can find various kinds of boxes to put them in. I'm putting mine in a Tentec, uh, little Tentec auxiliary boxes, and I've also got an Oak Hills uh, meter that I bought. Uh, just about the same time I bought that um, AQRP one and I've got a couple other things but yeah my problem was I was always using these these cheap in-series power meters and you know I and none of them were very accurate I'd hook my scope up and I'd look at it with the scope and I look at it with it and you know when I'm trying to read like a half a watt or one watt I was almost 50% off on those uh, on the little cheap through line watt meters so that forced me to go out and get a get some decent uh, watt meters for this level. Uh, go ahead. 
Yeah, I know what you mean. I think most of us here can appreciate that too. Good reports. Thanks an awful lot for mentioning the uh, the performance of the M water uh, the M watt meter kit. Um, and I'll contact Case too. He he had uh, he had emailed me. I actually copied everybody along the way too. So I I think that's his way of also saying that it's still around and he's probably hustling to get it together. Um, I've got one here, but chances are I'm going to need another one as well, and uh, I'll be ordering it too. And thanks to Joe, um, he just told me the told us all the uh, the specs for the WM1. It covers 150 milliwatts, up to 140, 140. watts. watts. So uh, that's that's there. And also, again for the podcasters, um, the uh, Carlos PY1EGG mentioned that a uh, a really good power meter is at the OZ2 CPU website. Um, Josh? And um, it's, I'm not going to read it, but if you search for OZ2 CPU, you'll uh, you'll see that circuit and it looks like a really good one. Yeah. Who, Josh? Uh, who, uh, yes, Carlos, go ahead. Time down. Hi, folks. Uh, good evening to all. Uh, George, can I can I go over the OZ2 CPU experience that I had since 2002? Yeah, as long as it doesn't take too long, Carlos. We're trying to wrap her up here, um, but go ahead. Well, just very briefly, uh, I understand that all, all people are most interested in kits with all the parts in it. But for those who who are well brave enough to to go to start from scratch. This is a very good good power meter, which I first met in 2003, and I, I built some half a dozen of different kits. Uh, OZ2 CPU is Thomas Scherer, he is a Danish guy. The, the power meter can go from 1 to 450 megahertz, from 1 megahertz to 4, 450 megahertz. If you don't calibrate it at all, it sports plus or minus 1 dB accuracy and if you do calibrate it with a signal generator you can go as as much as plus or minus half a db and it can read from minus 60 dbm until to 30 dbm which is one watt so for those who really want to try their hands and there's i think there is a template for the boards this is a good one for of course for those who are willing to to do the the building from the very beginning okay george Oh, fine, Carlos. Thanks an awful lot for telling us about that. And there are a lot of homebrewers amongst us who really prefer to do it just that way. Buying kits and sticking parts in it is, is fun, but it's much better, some people find, if they can uh, they can scrounge the parts and, and maybe make adaptations along the way, too. Um, thanks for sharing. Other questions? Or, or other equipment that you've used in the past? All right, Joe, why don't you, um, Paul, did you have something? I just wanted to mention, uh, George, to the group that I use uh, the uh, Downeast Microwave all-band power meter. Uh, it's one that uh, is very, very broadband, uh, uses two different sorts of log amplifiers and covers from uh, 10 kilohertz to 10 gigahertz. Um, it has a very rudimentary uh, LED bar graph display, but also has uh, analog output for uh, reading 
and conversion by uh, by other means as well. So a handy little uh, power meter uh, to keep in mind. It's about $75 from Down East Microwave. All right. Well, good. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, I appreciate that, Paul. Um, all right. I think we'll wrap it up for it this evening. Joe, do you want to tie the ribbons? Certainly, George. Uh, I think it's a pretty good session. We uh, were able to tie together uh, some concepts we discussed uh, a little more generally back uh, several sessions ago and um, provided some uh, info on an actual application of some of that, that stuff to a, uh, a real project linking together several pieces with uh, both information from uh, from the um, uh, the reference library QST and QEX to um, uh, junk box stuff laying around in terms of a uh, uh, heat sink and uh, a good uh, source for a uh, uh, dummy load a resistor available uh, commercially pretty cheaply uh, and the end result was able to solve a uh, problem that George had um, come up with a solution for doing some accurate uh, and precise power measurements to uh, to do some software troubleshooting so it kind of tied the whole package together and gave us a uh, uh, gave us an example of uh, how to go about doing something and uh, it's been illustrated with a bunch of pictures. It's very good references. And um, we do appreciate the uh, comments from others on their experiences and um, talking about uh, adapting other instruments and uh, perhaps some of the instruments we've designed to, we've described here to, uh, to do a number of things in the, in the shack. Uh, George and I have, have tried to get um, a level of uh, professionalism in some of the measurements that's uh, well beyond what's needed in the average shack. Uh, but uh, by doing these things, we're trying to sensitize everybody to um, just, just what it takes to go into doing some uh, very accurate and precise measurements. Uh, and in many cases, doing it with uh, off the shelf stuff that uh, is not in the $10,000 price class. None of the kits we've described here is over a hundred bucks. And uh, in fact, many, many of us, of us uh, uh, have them. Paul, one more comment? Sorry, uh, push to talk, uh, finger error. No problem. All right, so that about wraps it up for this evening. Uh, appreciate the comments we've gotten back. It's always good to get feedback. It, it gives us a feel for how well we're communicating. And uh, thanks to George for uh, Kind of bearing his uh, his soul here with the uh, with the project he built and uh, showing us uh, how it all went together and uh, doing a very good job of documenting it. Take it away, George, to uh, say goodbye. All right, Joe, and thanks to you too for uh, the good background, the the ever present uh, reference for me and all of us here relative to RF and measurements and equipment and techniques and so on. Um, I certainly value, value that uh, that advice that you're always giving me, and that's part of the fun that I find here and kind of participating with chat with the designers is on a regular weekly basis is to be really um, sharing different process and techniques and equipment and trip, uh, tips and techniques and errors that we made along the way and 
and just sort of uh, helping to advance us all on, on the workbench, um, on our projects, and, and use of uh, technology here in our hobby. Uh, so I hope everybody has been enjoying this session here and, and sessions in the past. We're going to continue it because we enjoy doing it. However, next week, just a heads up, next week, uh, both Joe and I have kind of like Easter types of appointments uh, with our families and whatnot. So we're not going to be having the session tomorrow, uh, next next week. So uh, we've only had that happen once before, but this unfortunately is going to happen again. So we're going to have a, re a week rest and we'll come fresh uh, the week after, two weeks from now, and uh, join for another uh, session of chat with the designers. So thank you all once again. Say 73 and uh, good night. This is N2APB and N2CX saying uh, good night. Please tune in next week for the next session of Chat with the Designers. Thank you.